It's July 15th, 2018, and men are from Duna, and women are also from Duna. I'm Six Detmar. And I'm Nick Cease, and this is Bottle Crow, a Kerbal Space Program podcast where we talk about Kerbal Space Program, sometimes even on a podcast. Welcome back to episode minus one, Glorious Bottle Crow. What a season, what a season, what a season, Yeah, right? I mean, I'm I'm getting hyped for the intergalactical, like, I'm starting to actually play this week like mm-hmm. i'm very bad and we'll talk about that yeah but. yeah you so, i mean what's let's so let's sort of get into like our, our week in kerbal um you've been like watching streams and and youtube videos and all this stuff all this time for like basically the entire run of this podcast right <laughs> yeah well i mean it seemed it honestly it seemed like a much harder game to approach than i thought mm-hmm. i think maybe that's just because i'm watching you know, these streamers and stuff and they've gone past the basics and now they're building all this stuff and when you talk about it, it's like oh you know i've i built up this crazy thing and you know i'm trying to do this mission and it's like how the hell do you even get off the ground it turns out if you put rocket fuel into a rocket engine like you can you can go places mm-hmm. yeah so so tell me about your like we uh we did a little we did a little session we hung out on on discord we did mm-hmm. some screen sharing and you did your first actual mission in kerbal space program after all this time watching yes it was under your watchful guidance. <laughs> you asked me the good questions like, okay, so it looks like you're, you know, you need a mission pod, a command pod first. Okay, great. Next, uh, what do you need? Oh, okay. Okay. An engine. You're going to go for the engine. Do you see a problem here? <laughs> and it's like, oh, fuel. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Um, yeah, it was somewhat intuitive, you know, putting together all the parts of whatever. What, what the hell was I trying to create? A spaceship? Oh, well, yes, but, like, was it just, like, a general rocket style? I think it was. I was going for, I like, mean, like, the classic yeah. long rocket cylinder. And that was I basically. mean, I feel like the first the first steps for any any Kerbal knot is get into a stable orbit of Kerbin, right? That was, that's yeah. goal number one. It's like, okay, can I get it? Well, I mean, I guess the first one is, like, just go up in the air. But, like, that's a pretty low bar. Anybody can do that. <laughs> it turns just out. Strap, yeah. strap some explosives to a piece of metal, and you'll get up in the sky. <laughs> some balloons um, to a chair. Yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, we were going We were going for the orbit. Mm-hmm. And it was it was pretty good. I think I had a liquid fuel engine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm still learning about all, you know, the different things now that I have to put them together myself, actually play with the Legos. So I think I had a main, my main engine was just a big-ass liquid fuel engine and i put mm-hmm. i think one main big tank on there and we just used like the mark one capsule i think you had me put on a adapter so that the aerodynamics mm-hmm. weren't as completely horrible uh yeah i i put on some fins some you know stabilizer stuff uh and you know it didn't completely just <laughs> die on takeoff once i kind of figured out what i was doing but, you know, yeah. I got up there. I got into space. I passed, what is it, the 70 epilepsis point? 70 kilometers? Yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, 70, 70K is indeed once you are out of the atmosphere and into actual space. Actual space. Yeah. So, you know, we, we didn't play around for too long because you're like, now hold on. Would you like me to actually show you what I would do? Or like an almost, you know, you're semi-professional, but like a professional KSP player would do? I'm like, absolutely yes. Because I think I needed some sort of bridging between my, you know, somewhat 
I have some understanding of the game, right? Kerbal Space Program is mm-hmm. like a deep game, so I have some understanding. But to actually do this stuff, I don't have the, I don't know, the brain pathways to like, okay, this Lego needs to go here. It has to be a blue Lego, and you have to attach it yeah. to this round piece. Well, and it's really easy to like, I mean, a lot of those, those like streamer videos and stuff just kind of iron over the details. It's right. It's like, no one wants to talk about like, okay, this is how you get into orbit. Cause everyone's like, oh, everyone knows how to get into orbit. Let's go from there. Yeah. And it's like, no, let's actually, let's actually (laughs) show this. Let's actually talk about getting into orbit and what's that's like. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm hardly a professional, but you know, I, 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 I feel like I'm, I'm comfortable enough with the basics. Um, and we could have kept, it was very helpful. Yeah, because like we could have kept poking around and experimenting, but it's like you know I think this will be easier if it's just like okay, this is what I would do to get into an orbit. Yeah, um, just to like show your process. And since then, like this was I think a few days ago when we started messing around. Uh, I started reading Purge's uh, "Welcome to Kerbal Space Program: You Suck" guide, and it's a little oh, old, yeah. but like you know it's for some previous metas, but it's still mostly mm-hmm. like accurate. It seems like, and that seems what Did- the opinion is. Did reentry give you trouble? Because he he made that before they <laughs> added reentry to the game. Um, <laughs> I like atmospheres and stuff. It didn't give me trouble. It gave me a bit of delight to see. Uh, I don't. I think maybe Bob Kerbin is the guy I, who accidentally exploded. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, maybe I needed like a heat shield. I also didn't have a parachute, so <laughs> it was never yeah, really going to work out. Yeah. Well, listen, we all we all make our. You know, like I don't. I haven't tried it in a while with with more recent versions, but it used to be the case that you could, uh, if you timed it just right, if you were going to crash and you had your Kerbal uh, EVA, like, get out <laughs> and jump at the last second, they would survive. Yeah, it's just like, you know, on an elevator, if you jump, the physics, they just work and you're just fine. Exactly. Completely yeah, no, fine. it is. It, I mean, like, yeah, it's, listen, the sim- the physics simulation in this game is pretty good, but you yeah. can you can trick it sometimes. <laughs> it um, is still a Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of those things that we built, you decided to name it uh, the Bottled Crow, and this was just mm-hmm. you know us joking around. You were showing me out some stuff. You put on one of the like more high vis command modules where you got a bunch of glass and stuff, mm-hmm. and I think we put our pal uh, Jebediah Kerbin in there. And uh, what was it? What the heck did you put on the command module? Um. You mean like what did I put on that he couldn't get out? Yes. What did you accidentally <laughs> put over the door I, that we? I put discovered? some. I put some. Like I put four because uh, like I, I I wanted to put a parachute on it, but like mm-hmm. it's it was the like the um space station style uh cockpit, and so there's a big glass window up top, and I didn't want to cover it with a big old parachute, so I was like, okay, I'll do little drogue parachutes on the side, and I'll do four of them, and it'll mm-hmm. be fine. Um, and one of them was over the door, <laughs> and <laughs> As it turns out. <laughs> Yeah, and we, you know, you safely landed him back on, uh, God, Kerbin. Kerbin, I'm I'm really good here. Uh, <laughs> and then we're like, oh well, wow, he's actually not dead. Let's have him, you know, just walk around. And it's like, you know, doors blocked. Oh shit. Uh, just a a real a real classic mistake. Yeah, um, that's a real ee move. Yeah, I felt like I felt like kind of a bonehead for that one. Uh, you know, we were able to recover the recover the pod and, and get him out, and he's fine now. But mm-hmm. uh, but he, you know, he's a little frustrated with us. I think. I understandably. Um, so with my week of Kerbal, um, I actually did um, I did a thing I rarely do, but I um, I actually used a cheat. What? Well, now listen. What? Um. 
Uh, listen, it's okay. I turned on infinite fuel for one run. <sighs> and I did this because I wanted, because I was doing something I've never done before. I wanted to do a Duna run. I wanted to fly to Duna. And I also didn't want to wait for the planets to line up. I wanted to just sort of brute force it. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. And this is like a learning run. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a proof of concept run. I'm going to do it proper next time. Yeah. But yeah, I turned on, I turned, and I turned it off once I got close. I, I used more Delta V than I should have had to get there, but I actually, I actually didn't go over by all that much, um, with my cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did, um, and I did, you know, I did classic rendezvous, sh- rendezvous shit, right? Where I had like the orbit that was just slightly inside, mm-hmm. uh, Duna. Um, and so I was just waiting for things to line up. Um, and you know, you, we got those, those mission elapsed timers, right? Yeah. Let's you know how long the mission's uh, been going. Fourteen and a half years <laughs> to reach Duna. You Just know. trying to get those fucking orbits to line up. It's really a hard to throw a piece of metal and land it on Duna, as it turns out. <laughs> Especially when you're doing it at a time where the the orbits are just not lined up. I should have just been patient, but mm-hmm. I was like, "Fuck it, let's just <laughs> turn on turn on infinite fuel and We're just going. throw ourselves at Duna." Um, Damn. And then, yeah. So once I got once I got close-ish, I turned off the infinite fuel. I tried to do it semi-legit. Um, <laughs> I did manage to land, but I didn't have enough fuel to find a like a a, a proper like flat spot. And mm-hmm. Duna is I'm I'm learning since this is my first time actually going there. Really mountainous. Oh no. Um, so I kind of like laid my ship down on a slope. Hmm. Um, and I got out and I planted my flag. And I climbed back in, and I turned on the engines, and it started to slide up the slope, and then it started to tip, and it tumbled and blew the <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> well, you know, can only do so much. Yeah. It was, it was a, you know, I'm still really proud of, of even being able to get, I mean, like, it took me basically all morning to get to Duna. It was just all <laughs> these, like, orbital tweaks, and that's partially because I'm an idiot, right, <laughs> um, who's who's bad at this, but, like... It was a lot of adjustments. It was a lot of calculations. It was a lot of just tiny little tweaks to my orbit to make everything finally line up. Um, well, you know, it was really, really yeah. exciting. You got there. You planted your flag. You left some trash. The true American way. Indeed, indeed, isn't it really? Yeah. Um. So you um. Since you're new to Kerbal Space Program, mm-hmm. uh, like actually playing it. Uh, I'm sure most of what you've ever seen, and also what I had you do, was the free play mode, right? Yeah, just like in the sandbox mode, throw stuff together, launch it. Actually, I, we've we've pretty much for most of this podcast, we've only ever had like little forays into talking about career mode, occasional little tidbits about like, oh, it's really funny trying to build a rocket with these limitations, blah blah blah, right? Yeah, I mean, um, the, the people you see make the crazy stuff are always in sandbox, so I haven't really yeah, seen a I, lot of career. And I guess that's what I want. Like, this is sort of an open, like, an open question to listeners is I want to hear from people sort of about what they see as the place of career mode being. Yeah. Because I don't, like, I tried messing with it more Mm -hmm. and I don't under, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, is it, is it fun to unlock stuff? I mean, like, you know, you get contracts to try out, like, it's like, okay, try and, try and get, you know, like, you only have these certain parts, and, like, try to, like, get this particular part into orbit of Kerbin, and that's interesting. Like, 
Hmm. It does probably make you better at the basics, right? Because you can't just like, you know, in in sandbox mode, you can be like, I'm going to attach five solid fuel boosters (laughs) and we're going to fucking get there. (laughs) Um, You can just brute force things in a way you can't. Um, Yeah. But I don't know. It's not necessarily all that satisfying in some ways because it's like, okay, well, like, I want to go to the moon. I just can't. I just don't have the equipment. I have to unlock more equipment. I have to set more reasonable goals. And mm. that's fun at times. But at times you're just like, no, I'm just in the mood to go to the moon. Get out of the way, you know? Yeah. I was going to ask when you, you mentioned that you'd turned on cheats. It's kind of like, I mean, you've mentioned in the past, you really, you know, your interest in the game is the main game. You like playing Kerbal Space Program. I, mm. you know, <laughs> I'm down for whatever else they're going to do. And so... Like, I play Kerbal Imba sometimes, right? And that removes mm. all the cooldowns on your stages and your Delta V, all your fuel. It's just, like, it, it depends because it still has the mechanics in there, but it's it's not the main game. Yeah. And what what is the main game, though? Because, like, in sandbox mode, you also you have unlimited resources, and it's just, like, screw you. I'll <laughs> put this on a rocket. But is there a point, you know... I'm not. I'm not of the opinion that sandbox mode is bad, but mm-hmm. do people just play career mode? Like, is that a thing people do? It seems too hardcore for me. Like, I, I understand your yeah. point that you like the main game, and for you, the main game is like the building part. But you don't like Kerbal Imba, where it just you know cranks the dial up to eleven. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, all the like the the mods people do to have like you know like a warp drive and shit. Yeah. Um. It just feels like it misses the point to an extent. I mean, you know, and if people want to do that, I don't want, like, that's absolutely fine. It's just not what I want for myself. Yeah. Um, I don't, I feel like, to me, um, I guess it's a question of how hard you want things to be, right? Because to me, <laughs> the challenge of Kerbal is, like, fairly realistically modeled, uh, physics and, you know, like rocket engineering. I mean, obviously, they're taking some shortcuts, they're taking some serious shortcuts. Yeah. Um, but like, it's basically, it's the emotional experience of trying to, trying to do like actual, like, you know, space exploration. (laughs) Um, and that should be hard, but it also should be achievable. Um, I, I like, I like the feeling that sandbox mode gives you where the only thing stopping you from doing literally anything, the only thing stopping you from building a base orbiting jewel is just how good you are. Right? Yeah. I don't want it to be like, well, I'm good enough, but I don't have the unlocks. That feels like, I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> career mode people, but that sounds like League of Legends to me. I, yeah. Like, I'm kind of on your side there. It, I don't know. Like, you mentioned the scenario mode and stuff where it's like, oh, you contracts and you got to get X to Y using some sort of equipment and money that you have. It reminds mm-hmm. me of like an old flight simulator I played, like I think Microsoft mm-hmm. Flight Simulator, and it would be like, okay, you're in, you know, this Cessna at night, do this, or hey, you just lost like one engine on your right wing in this giant mm-hmm. 747, try to land, <laughs> and like that kind of yeah. thing was fun, and you don't get unlocks from that. I don't, maybe you know, newer games they do, but you didn't get unlocks from that. It was just like the actual situation itself and playing that was the fun part of it. Sure. I don't know if that like is the same for Kerbal, but I also don't think that the unlocks feel that fun. 
Like, I don't see that advancement being fun when it's just like, okay, I can just go into sandbox and still have joy. It doesn't feel like, oh, I have all the money in the world and now I'm bored. It's more like, okay, I'm free. Well, and also I feel like part of like part of what makes career mode not as exciting to me is like the way you get unlocked a lot of the time is like, okay, you need science, right? And this mm-hmm. is stuff, you know, again, you haven't played the career mode and you, the, the YouTubers rarely do it. So mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of this is news to you. But like uh, there's like a like a civilization civilization style tech tree and you're unlocking mm-hmm. new parts through use of science and you can get science through doing contracts that you don't get very much. The main way you get science is by running experiments, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you can bring up, you can bring up, like, a pressure sensor and then get a pressure reading from the upper atmosphere of Kerbin and then one from, you know, like, from outer space, from, you know, like, actual vacuum. And, like, you get a pressure reading from, you know, the atmosphere of Duna. And these are ways that you raise your level of science. And they just feel kind of repetitive after a certain point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's... like okay. Let me check. Let me check the temperature of this part of the moon, and I'll get plus five science. And it's just like this isn't satisfying. Yeah, I mean, like it's science, but too realistic. Like that's actual real science. That's what you do. Like the repetitiveness, mm-hmm. the huge sample size. But that's not like that's not a fun game. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I feel like you know, if you like career mode, that's fine. You know. Don't hate on sandbox people. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, actually, speaking, you talked a little bit about the contract stuff. Um, let's talk, let's go to our, our, our regular, you know, like DLC drama corner. <laughs> of course. Got to pull from Reddit um, for a drama. Indeed. So people were, uh, I'm sure we all recall, it's, it's hard to forget how, uh, how upset people were when the new, uh, EULA came out. Um, which, you know, forbid things like, like modding and said, like, they had a right to any creations you made and, and blah, 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 yeah. right? All this, this shit that happened because they were bought, because the developers of Kerbal Space Program were, were bought by Take Two. And mm-hmm. we were all like, oh, like, you know, they were like, oh, it's not going to make a difference. We'll keep on going the same way we will. Everyone always says that. Yeah. It's very rarely the case. Um, and of course, there has been some, some Steam review bombing as a response to this. Um, you can stop. They walked it back. Wait, really? The, yeah, really. They I walked it back. The, yeah, the EULA stuff is now like they canceled all that. You, you, you're, you're free to mod. They don't own your mods. You're okay. Wow. <laughs> um, they well, just I mean, backed good, down. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to pat them on the head for for running away when they got screamed yeah. at, but like, you know, I'm certainly glad that this happened. Mm-hmm. Um. It does still bring about, like, the question of, like, the DLC and what it's worth. Because, you know, we've talked about before, but, like, it's this DLC that adds some new parts and some, you know, like, a few, like, you know, like, special missions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it feels like for the price, it's not really worth it. And a lot of what it's adding is stuff that would be added in mods. Yeah. It almost feels like a Skyrim problem, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean... You have the DLC, right? Uh, no, actually. No, okay. No, it's I, I want it, but it's kind of at fifteen bucks. I mean, like For I don't like, really care about the no yeah. Value. <laughs> like I don't really care about the historical missions that mm-hmm. much. Like maybe I'd try them and they'd be cool, but the pitch doesn't sound appealing. I'd be buying it for new parts, mm-hmm. um, and that feels weird. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for like super fans who really like the series and want to contribute to like its ongoing development. 
I guess mm-hmm. like that's the kind of person who would get it. Or if you really like the historical missions, I feel like you need something pretty special to like get more money out of people who bought Kerbal. I mean, like I would pay for like the option to try out a different system, a different star system. I would pay for that for sure. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be good. You know, like here's a new set of planets. You can choose which one or you could, you know, like or both exist and you can fly to the one from the other. That's going to take a lot of Delta V, <laughs> but you can do it. Yeah, um, like I'm, there's mods that do that, right? But yeah, like the the systems and stuff you could create having like a paying dedicated team is just it's going to be on average. Like I don't want to shit on monitors and stuff. They're great. They're mm-hmm. like the lifeblood of the game a lot for a lot of people at least. But the thing that it, like, you know, the professional KSP dev team could do, I would think they would be able to, you know, make something that would be interesting enough that people would want to pay some money for Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just a, there's just a dedication and like, I mean, listen, we talked about it before, but like, I love modders, I love mods, but like inherently, I mean, they're not getting paid for it and they're not as incentivized to make something like properly balanced and tuned. Yeah. It's still, it's just about the time, right? Like mm-hmm. in such yeah. a, <laughs> a physics based game, it's just about the time you have to like test and model and tweak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's really fun to get your, like, your warp drive, but, like, how does that break the game? You know, it's it's fun to have <laughs> yeah. your, like, your ultra fuel, your, you know, fucking radiator that runs on obtainium or whatever. But it's like, well, does this, this kind of break the satisfying part of the game where you're working hard to achieve a goal? Yeah. Yeah. We'll um, see. We'll see it, what they do. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm somewhat confident that they'll keep chugging along at least because, you know, we get regular bug fixes they keep updating the DLC too, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm waiting to see what they'll actually do. So this week it's time for our Kerbin of the Week. Yes, it's a special episode this time because normally, you know, you can send your Kerbin of the Week submissions to Nick at bottlecrow.com, and normally this is where we like to highlight, you know, a really special Kerbin that our, our listener encountered and threw into space. However, mm-hmm. since you know I started playing and stuff. I figured we would highlight uh, one that Six and I made. Six was playing uh, Millbald. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just real quick, like you keep sending your submissions. Uh, yeah, Nick at bottlecrow.com, Six at bottlecrow.com. Um, we will get back to this after. Like this, we're probably not going to keep doing these because we still have a bunch of user submissions we'd love to get to. But this one's special, and we kind of need to talk yep. about it. Can always use more Kerbins. Um, so this was on the tail end of our, our little, like, you know, screen sharing, uh, me giving you, like, showing you the ropes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I, I always like to end, like, any, <laughs> anytime I'm showing the game to people, I always like to end with a bang where I create a ship that shouldn't exist, right? Yes. <laughs> it is truly, you know, a horror. Um, so I created a ship, uh, which I named Twitter. Of course. Um, and it was, like, the base was, like, a fairly, like, not aerodynamic at all, like, intentionally not aerodynamic, but, like, had, you know, basic big fuel tank and liquid fuel engine and a co- cockpit and, you know, all all the, the, the essentials. Um, and then I strapped four, like, thumper solid fuel boosters to it. Mm-hmm. And then I strapped four thumper solid fuel boosters to those <laughs> solid fuel boosters. Um, boosters and boosters. And then I took stabilizer wings and attached them to, to all the boosters and like angled them so they were like 
like it was like the like rifling on the inside of a gun barrel. Yep. Um, <laughs> I told Six, okay, so I see this. Now you got you got to have some stabilizer fins on there. And then you you know, you moved your mouse over a little bit and it just auto adjusted to, you know, cause the spiral pattern. And, and I we were was, like, great, I perfect. Was about, <laughs> yes. I was like, yeah. oh, perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. Um, so yeah, we hit, we hit launch on that thing and it like, boy, that thing <laughs> spun like a, oh, like you could have drilled through like Another a planet, planet with that thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was, it was amazing. I can't believe like everything stayed on. Yeah. None no, of, we, I we figured didn't... the rocket, the solid boosters would tear themselves apart. Yeah, me too. Um, but no, it, it held up to the forces. Um, we got a ridiculous apoapsis. <laughs> um, and from there it was like, okay, like, where do we go from here? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like, okay, like, let's, let's just, let's just, let's just go. Um, so we just kept thrusting. Uh, we just turned on, turned on the engines to max and, uh, we ended up, uh, going into space. Like, just, like, direct, like, orbit to the sun, right? Mm-hmm. It's about this point that I was, like, like checking other things and, like, checking the internal cockpit view um, and, like, looking at the instruments and not realizing that I'd left the engine on full burn. Um, yep. I think we'd time accelerated yeah. a little and you're like, oh, you know, uh-huh. let me show you this view. And uh, and so we, we came back out and we looked at our orbit um, and we were flying in... Uh, Past Moho, like, right up towards Kerbal, like, we were getting pretty close. <laughs> yeah. um, and we were uh, completely out of fuel. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like, no, we've got this, like, we've got this orbit where we go, like, half, like, at our at our apoapsis, we're halfway between Kerbin and Duna. We and had not Perry, yet melted somehow. Yeah. I don't understand, but. Yeah, no. Perfectly um, cool. And so at that point, we were like, okay, well, listen. We can't get home. Maybe we can get to hell. <laughs> <laughs> can we send poor old Millbald into the sun? Um, so we had him jump out and you know and face retro and just get to get to his his apo He's and just different. fire his fire his RCS for all it was worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't enough. No, we we successfully got him away from the ship. We tightened his orbit up around the sun a little bit. But man, he was he was living it. <laughs> he was mm-hmm. so excited. You could see his face. It was just, you know, staring into the sun. And I didn't revert that flight. Any other any other saves, any other stuff that I do on that that sandbox file. Mm-hmm. And whenever I go to the tracking station, there's this reminder that Milbold Kerman <laughs> he's still is orbiting <laughs> very close to the sun, and anytime you click on him, if he's close to his his periapsis, you see that heat gauge because he's so close to the sun that the heat gauge is like just like just an inch away from him incinerating. We almost burned him. But no, we tried so hard. <laughs> but now he's just out there. He's just chilling. It's like a reminder of what you can do. Life goals. A monument to all your sins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I felt like a really bad person after that one, but it was very It fun. was a great way to end. Um, so that's, that's a discussion about what's possible. Let's talk about what was almost possible because it's time for our lore of the week. (laughs) So, uh, everyone knows, of course, the various, like, celestial bodies of 
the Kerbal system. There's, of course, Kerbal the Sun, there's Moho, there's Eve, there's Kerbin, there's Duna, there's Dress, there's Jewel, there's Elo, and then there are the various moons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what people may not realize is that there were plans for more planets originally. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one of the developers, uh, I've never said this out loud, actually, Nilisisco, Nova Silisisco, there we go, Nova Silisisco, uh, who was one of their, like, creators, had a bunch of plans for more planets he was going to make. And he's, he's like, he is sort of one of, he was one of their best developers. The fact that he's gone now is a real bummer, because he mm. was making a lot of their best stuff. Um, but one of the things he was planning to make was a second gas planet. Hmm. Yeah. Because I obviously, mean, <laughs> yeah. We don't the real have world, Saturn. Yeah. Right. In the in the real world, we've got Saturn and we've got Neptune in addition to Jupiter. Yeah. But of course, in, in the Kerbal system, all we have is Jewel. Yeah. So um, the plan was there, there was no name for this ever announced, but the plan was there was going to be a second gas planet outside of the orbit of Jewel. Um, it probably passed Elo is what it seems like. Huh. And it was planning to have 20 moons. <laughs> Damn, that's uh, like real life Jupiter and Saturn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Boy. Um, actually, Elo was originally planned to be one of its one of its moons, and that sort of that plan mm-hmm. changed. So I don't know if they they keep, were going to come up with a new uh, moon to to replace that. But so the the moons that we do know of, besides what was going to be Elo, is Daffy, Potatus, and Afonso. Um, and they're all going to be pretty small and just like th- this planet was going to have rings and they were really they're really going to go all out with that one it was it was pretty exciting um now of course there are some mods that will add back in people trying to create like an imitation of of what this was supposed to be mm-hmm. but we'll never really know what was intended for the actual version um the missing planet it's too bad. I wonder if it had been added before uh 0.17 then we probably could have landed on it like you used to be able to land on Jewel yeah. They should, you know, they should add something in so you can land on the jewel again. Just like yeah, a proper I mean, like some time. I mean, you know, like Just I like, like that drop idea. a probe or something. But it's gas. Well, yeah, but you could make a probe that goes in there. That can't not that can withstand the pressure. I in real life most likely not. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess well, you're right. I guess not. Well, I mean, what you're asking for is basically a mod, which I'm sure a mod yeah. exists. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I like, I, I think it, the idea is kind of fun, but I also kind of like just the, like, there's something that I find, like, kind of fun and scary about Jewel. I've never been there, but just the idea that it's like, oh, if you get within Jewel's, like, gravity, if you're getting pulled in, <laughs> you're gone. You're screwed. It's so <laughs> You are going to die. <laughs> Because there's just there's no way you can land and come back. I guess if you have enough thrust to escape Jewel, uh, which would be ridiculous because that thing's fucking heavy as shit. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know like a lot of stuff in KSP, it's scaled down from the real life stuff it's trying to model, like our solar mm-hmm. system. But I mean, real life Jupiter is fucking massive. Yeah, yeah. Actually, now that you mention it, it's weird that there's like I guess it's just because of a limitation of the simulation, but like. Jewel appears to be fairly like homogenous as a surface, hmm. and Jupiter is not. No, <laughs> like I would have uh, thought they would have put in, you know, oh here we'll have our own red spot, but we'll make it, mm-hmm. I don't know, yellow on Jewel. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I guess also what would kind of be the, I mean, like it'd be fun, but also what would kind of be the point? Cause you can't really it's all, do anything. It's on part of the immersion. I don't know. Get some science yeah. for that, but we talked about how that's crap. Yeah. 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 Well, all right. Well, I guess we're ready to move on to Jack Herblin's chow. Nick, you took point on this one. What, what have you got for us this week on Jack Herblin's Chow? So I wanted to kind of bring us back to more basics. You know, what are we talking about? We're talking about Kerbal Space Program, right? And mm-hmm. we don't often see inside, you know, the cockpit in terms of what's going on. We don't get the views from the Kerbins. But we know in real life, and KSP is modeled on real life somewhat, astronauts, they don't get to eat a lot of, you know, fresh steak, They don't get a lot of fresh Mm -hmm. fruits and veggies. It's all about the freeze-dried stuff, right? Or stuff that can be preserved. Totally. Yeah. So I figured let's talk about dried foods, just like generally. It's one of the, like, oldest forms of preservation. It's pretty basic. Like, if you can salt stuff or somehow draw out a lot of the moisture, it lasts a while. Like, Mm -hmm. crazy salt, salt was... Like the way you preserve stuff for a while, right? You don't need any sort of fancy technology or specific knowledge. So let's talk about dried stuff. Because I don't actually know how you feel about some of these foods. So first off, beef jerky. Do you, do you dig it? I appreciate a good beef jerky. I think it can be quite like nice. A jerky? Yeah. Do you have any mm-hmm. you know favorite brands or anything? I don't know that I have a favorite. Like, I mean, I'm not... I like... um. I feel like I shouldn't, but I like the cylindrical ones more than like the sticks. I feel like the texture really? is better. When you get the like, when you get like the actual, I know it's it's like I'm sure it's like je- like objectively worse quality jerky, <laughs> but just like the textural experience of like the proper strips of jerky is like is too leathery for me. It's too really? tough. I don't enjoy it as much. Huh. I I'm mm-hmm. the opposite. I can't actually remember the last time I had a cylindrical, you know, like a slim jim, right? Like An oily stirred, sausage. Like, you know, a dry, oily, plastic sausage. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, I like the... What do I like about it? I don't. I think I like the chewiness, like the leatheriness of hmm. a, a proper strip of beef. It's just, I don't know, there's something about it. And the ones that are very well marinated, so you got a lot of that, like, flavor from, I don't sure. know, soy sauce, Worcestershire sauce, whatever you want to marinate your stuff in. Mm-hmm. That's like... Yeah, I can appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like you get more of the flavor. You know, it's jerky. You, you chew on it. I don't want to, like, bite off a piece of cylinder. <laughs> but, hey, you know, each the room. Well, I do say you have to snap into a Slim Jim. God. We we lost our Slim, Slim Jim sponsorship too long ago. Snap first it, into snap, the spice. <laughs> Shallow. Okay. So, you know, that's a, a thing that I'm pretty sure Kerbins would be eating a lot. You know, a lot of jerky, mm-hmm. a lot of preserved meat. If Kerbins do eat, Milbolt's been orbiting the sun for a long time. <laughs> he's got, you know, he's got a little appetite. A little baby appetite. Okay. 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 He only needs, like, one cliff bar every 16 years. I mean, got uh, it. is there radiation in this game? I've not encountered it, but I don't know. If, no. Like, 
No. No, there's no radiation. I was going to say, uh, like, Jewel, you should just die if you get within the vicinity because it's <laughs> real-life Jupiter is not a good place to be. No, it's not? You would just, like, start glowing. It sounds great. <laughs> there is so much radiation. God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this isn't a, a radiation podcast. I, my name is Uranium Heart, though, on Steam, actually. It's so true. It's true. It's, it's linked somehow. So we talked about dried meat. What about dried fruit? Dried fruit I actually eat with a lot of regularity. Really? Are you an mm-hmm. astronaut? Uh, I am not. I am a person who has a Trader Joe's in my area. Ooh. I used to have a Trader Joe's in my area. They have They have a good selection of dried fruit. What's your favorite? Um, I mean, dried pineapple without a doubt. Um, dried pineapple? Yes. What now, here is... Earth? What on Kerbin? Here is the thing about dried pineapple. You have to find the right stuff because so many people, so many motherfuckers, I'm not afraid <laughs> to say it, are like, oh, here's some sweetened dried pineapple. Do you know how fucking sweet pineapple is <laughs> to start with? And you're going to add more sugar because you're like, I don't want it to go bad. I want this to last for 10 million years. Mm-hmm. Like, don't just get regular dried pineapple unsweetened. If it's sweetened, it's genuinely disgusting. But like unsweetened dried pineapple rings mm-hmm. are incredible. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I've ever had dried pineapple. That I... Have you ever had pineapple? I've had pineapple. <laughs> Imagine if it's less wet and a little bit stronger flavored. That sounds... I actually... I don't really like pineapple. I've, like, turned the corner oh, on it. What? As I've grown up. But, like, I really did not like pineapple. Now it's just, like, fine. I would prefer most other fruits. Huh. It is, like, the best fruit I've always thought. Wow. You. I can't believe you're so wrong. <laughs> No. Well, what is what is the best fruit, Nick? What is oh hmm. I don't. It really depends. Like a really ripe pear is an amazing experience. Pears are very good. However, like a really an unripe pear, I think is worse than an unripe apple. Most of the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree. There's just there's like, a really small window of acceptability on pears. Yeah. But like the God, it, just. Like biting into some like a really nice ripe Bartlett or like Asian pear. I was gonna say on a, like a hot summer day, just like you have an explosion of juice all over your face. That is the ideal Ew. fruit experience. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know about these <laughs> descriptions. That's that's the ideal ripeness. It's just like oh god, I need like a bucket underneath me. That's how you should eat a pear. Huh. <laughs> and then you just all stick. Interesting. But that's that's not a dried fruit. The best dried fruit for me, I, I think mango. However, I'm really with you. Really? That you have to find the right one. Because, mm. like you, I see all sorts of dried sweetened mango. Ugh. It's insane. And you look at like the sugar on the back. You're like, this, <laughs> this is worse than candy. I should literally eat a Snickers instead of having one piece of this dried mango. <laughs> like, actually, it would be better for you. Wow. But Trader Joe's, went back when I was living in Philly, Trader Joe's, they have a unsulfated, unsweetened version because you also have to, like, don't have to, but you get some different flavors if you don't, I think, like, you know, somehow treat it with some sort of chemical, like sulfate or something, mm-hmm. just because of the way mangoes are. 
but they sell a basically completely raw, just dried mango. It's like, hey, you know, <laughs> if you're down for some weird flavors, that's fine. It's not weird. It's just like, I don't know, it's got a little more bitterness to it. Something happens when you dry mango. That, that is so good. And it's not ridiculously hmm. sweet. It's just as ridiculously sweet as mango is. Huh. Yeah. Like regular mango can be great as well. It's kind of a pain in the ass to actually cut up though. <laughs> so like yeah, mango in dried form, is, it's like another thing. I don't know. It's mm -hmm. got a nice chew to it also. Kind of like jerky. So a few other quick hits. Dried apricots. Very good. Oh, so good. Uh, better than actual apricots, as it turns out. Oh, I, mm, when's the last time I had an ap a regular apricot? I don't know. Yeah, no, I've I've been a dried apricot fan for for most of my life. I think <laughs> I had a friend in God middle school who oh, why I don't know for some reason uh, I would throw dry apricots at them. Hmm. I was just just like wondering which time I would. I know, like I would slip dried apricots to them. I don't know. I have some sort of memory of middle school me throwing a dried apricot at my friend. Huh. So I've got a personal well, connection to dried apricots. Yeah, I guess, of, of a sort. <laughs> um, yeah, so dried apricots are, are fantastic. Uh, dried peaches, not as good as you would think. I don't know that I've had a dried peach either. It doesn't. Why doesn't it sound good? I don't know. They're just they're just kind of bland. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of boring. Yeah, not a good form um, for peach. No, no, it's kind of a bummer. Uh, so, then of course, raisins. How do you feel about raisins? They're great. Raisins are yeah, they're good. You can you know put them in stuff or just eat them. They're I actually can't with raisins. Hmm. And this is and this is for a very hmm. personal reason. Uh, when I was younger, I had an experience where I had a batch of bad raisins. Oh, no. And they were just all, like, gritty like sand. What? Oh. And any time I think about having raisins now, I just think about that texture, and I can't do it. I can't even imagine. It was I'm very so unpleasant. <laughs> um, now, white raisins, my brain processes them differently, so I'm able like golden raisins. Oh, so I'm okay. able to have those. And it's like, okay, these uh -huh. are good. And prob <laughs> probably I would like normal raisins as well. I just can't bring myself to because when I see them, I think about sand. Wow. Hmm. How do you feel about prunes then? Prunes are just like a um, bigger raisin. I mean, they're from a plum. I mean, but... yeah. I mean, like, I don't have a moral objection. I just think they suck. <laughs> Ooh. Just like the taste? Yeah, they just have a really like strong. I feel like almost an acrid taste. They they're, do. They're, I don't. Yeah. I really like them in like oatmeal or something. Like in the morning, like oatmeal, mm. and then put two or three prunes in. Mm. You got a stew going. That sounds like that would like. I feel like maybe the oatmeal would help cut the harshness of a prune. Yeah, and it's like prunes I, are, I kind of very want intense. something. Like I don't. I'm not mm -hmm. generally a big fan of the super sweet oatmeal. Like people who just put ridiculous amount of sweet stuff. But, like, mm -hmm. maybe, like, fresh blueberries and two dried prunes and some cinnamon, bit of ginger. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. I see. That makes sense. I can, mm -hmm. I can see that, that being appealing. Yeah. Now, what about banana chips? Uh, they're okay. Okay. I wanted... Yeah. Yeah, they're... they're I don't know. I, I wouldn't actively seek them out. No. But, but they're, they're fine. They're good. 
But as with literally every other dried fruit, don't sweeten don't, them. Don't sweeten what is wrong with you? Please don't sweeten them. I know they'll taste different. That's the whole point. Yeah. Huh. Well, some people. Hopefully, we're sending up our Curbins with the right, you know, trail mix of whatever they want in terms of dried fruits. M and M's. M and M's and dried nothing fruit. but M and M's. Mm. No, nothing but M and M's. Oh, like, just M and M's. It's like <laughs> day one hundred and sixty-seven, <laughs> and they're just like God. Almond M&M's again? Uh, like, not almond? even regular. What almonds. kind of monster eats almond M&M's? <laughs> I what just gives them what's, to someone else? What's the best M&M? Peanut M&M's. There's no contention here. It might be peanut M&M's. Peanut M&M's are very good. Peanut M&M's are the best M&M. Hold on. Do you remember mini M&M's? I do. I, don't, I mean, remember, we st- they, they still exist. I mean, they do, but I feel like I've, I haven't seen them in forever. You're right. Until, like, I, like, I mentioned this to my friend a few years ago, and they sent me, hmm, five pounds of mini M&M's <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> it was, like, literally, it was at least 20 tubes of those mini M&M's. Those, wow. there's something, I just feel like they're not as popular these days, and that's probably fine. And it's probably good because, like, what? how can you eat them? You can't – like a peanut M&M, it's even larger than a regular one. You can just, like, take one and eat it. But many M&Ms, you know, you pop open this, like, giant pill bottle. You shake some into your hand and you, like, put them in your mouth as if you're going to, like, just swallow a bunch of pills. And then you talk Listen down. to this bourgeois motherfucker. <laughs> Do you, you just pour un- it straight you in your mouth? Yeah, like that's let's that's what they're there for. Like I'm sure that's why that's that's the thing. That's why mini M and M's were ever popular mm-hmm. is because like it was this like carefully designed size where it's like okay, <laughs> obviously this is too small for you to put one in your mouth at a time. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Also, this delivery mechanism is really obnoxious if you want to pour them into your hand and then put them into your mouth. And so it's just a whole, like, psychologically engineered device to get you to the point where you're just pouring them into <laughs> your face. Shotgunning M&Ms. Just yes. pop it and pop and pop. And then you want to die. God. I need it. You could get, like, you know, some sort of holster that you have a bunch of spare M&M ammo packs and it's just like, you know, you pop one open, down it. God, just like just like a little like like shotgun like bandolier yes perfect oh. that's what i need so many well i think that's that's gonna about do it for us uh yeah i was gonna do some some listener email but i'm not sure we have time this week um i want to give a big thank you to uh Jeffrey Bryce, aka Ready User Promoti, for use of his uh, Rhythms of Rift Shadow Ruins, which you can find in the Steam Workshop if you want to help it get it, it get in game in Kerbal Space Program. I also want to give a big thank you to uh, Ashley Ryan, aka Svimmy, who did our podcast art, which is the bottle with a crow, which is, of course, our flag mm-hmm. in Kerbal Space Program. Go planet on the moon. Um, yeah, you can find you can find us on iTunes and you know other other podcatcher things. A rating review would be really appreciated. Um, I feel like not many people realize that there's a Kerbal Space Program podcast out there, and I hear you know like there's there's an audience for this, and we're here. We'll serve you. Yeah, you know, we're here to serve. Cook, serve, delicious. Um, anything I'm forgetting, Nick? I think that's about it. Unless you know you want to find six on Twitter, six D E T T M A R. Uh, there was your plug from me. And uh, 
don't know. I think that's about it. Feel free to write in nick at bottlecrow.com with your Kerbins of the Week. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. And peace out. You're listening to a Scanline Media Network podcast. Check out our other podcasts like Bottle Crow Reborn. So here's the thing, Nick. Nobody cares. <laughs> no. It's not about that. Uh, you actually convinced me. Shit. The Garnet Wager. Uh, and immediately we get Yunji being like, so hang on. Why does everyone call Jinho Kong? And Jinho, like, really circuitously explains because they're making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it means, th- it means bean, but it's all, like, small person, and, like, I'm... Neutral game. So, if you reverse the frame data, you can still play the game, and it'll just sometimes take longer to figure some stuff out. Oops, all anime guide in. I've known some podcasters with taste, and they're all cowards. <laughs> Let's talk about today's menu oh my God. for the Emia family. Operation Serial. Episode 4 yep. was a bit more understandable, but also, I continue to sour on these kids. I think they're dicks. <laughs> okay, that's fair. And our patron-only podcast, Oops All Anime. And he has the blessed privilege of getting an invite. He shreds it in front of her, looks her in the eye, uh, like touches Wipes her face. a tear off of her eye. <laughs> Wipes a tear off her eye and goes, I'll kill you. Visit Scanline Media at scanlinemedia.com and our Patreon at patreon.com slash scanlinemedia.